0: Welcome to the Dead Elephants podcast featuring Duncan and Chris. Looks like it's time to tackle another elephant in the room. Pronounced pauses can be really awkward sometimes, can't they? But they're also really good at, yes. com- at communicating. <laughs> I almost got a snort. I almost
1: got a snort out of him. It was There was a was half really snort good. there.
0: Uh, today we're talking preaching. Oof. boring, Oof. boring sermons. Oh my gosh! What do you do if your if your pastor gives a boring sermon?
1: And not just one, but maybe like, like on the regular. <laughs> I feel a little bit edgy for having this conversation. Oh well, we this need This is to. such an elephant.
0: This is a big old elephant. Oh. We're committed to it. Ah, oh, this is going to be hurtful.
1: <laughs> Let's. I'm sorry. I feel like we're just going to have to be very careful not to name names here, but concepts.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I've got to put my... <laughs> D- got to...
1: Duncan's got a bad preacher list up on his window. Yeah. The yeah I'll top, have to... top
0: 10 wall of shame. It's a top 75, but <laughs> it's okay. I'll close it down. All right.
1: Okay. What's our sharing question?
0: <laughs> oh, good question. Uh, our sharing question is... I've got to find the oh, I'll tell there.
1: you what it is. Who would you most love to have over for dinner? Which boring preacher would you like to have the most?
0: Oh, no. Not anybody. boring preacher. Anybody. Uh, okay. Uh, living or dead or- Doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter.
1: Could okay. even be like, we could even go fictional if you really want to expand
0: it. Really? Sure. Why not? Oh, goodness gracious me. The world is my oyster yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> it has got analysis paralysis. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's actually really easy. I'd have Eddie Vedder over from Pearl Jam. What? Yeah.
1: Why? I feel like that's actually a doable. I feel like if we worked hard enough, we could get Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Why?
0: Uh, Just that is my favorite band of all time. Okay. It has been the music that has defined my speakers for the last (laughs) 25 years, 30 years. Okay. Like, it's just love Pearl Jam. Okay. I, I, I don't know necessarily if I love Eddie Vedder. But I would just love to have him over once for a meal.
1: And just pick his brain about his life and...
0: Just sit there with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I would honestly have the whole band over mm. and just sit there. They've been together for so long. I think that's So they're still astounding. going, are they? Yeah. Yeah, right. I think that's astounding. Sure. And so that's, I think for me, would be the person I'd have over. What okay. about yourself?
1: I mean, I've got one, but I feel like sheepish for saying it because it's such a stereotype, but I I think I would have Jesus. You're so funny. I know,
0: oh, I know. We're not even in Sunday school when you know, pick Jesus. I know.
1: <laughs> well if I wouldn't have Jesus, I'd have God in the Bible. <laughs> oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I would I just really like to I think probably analyze Jesus' personality and just see what kind of cat he really was, you know. And I think you get a really good picture in the Bible reading it, but just to have him there and hear the Son of God just talk or not talk or relate. I don't know. I'd, I would just. I think that I just
0: is such a textbook yeah, answer, right. and I can't. I can't criticize it. It's a. Good, it's
1: a good answer for a boring sermon.
0: There's a great. There's a great leading. There's a segue. A great, a There's it. A segue. Okay. Why?
1: Why are we talking about this, Duncan? Like, why? Why is this a thing we want to talk about?
0: Well, I, I think two reasons. One, right now, our primary source of communication to the world is a Sunday service that mm-hmm. features quite heavily a communicated message from the front that goes anywhere from 15 minutes to 65 minutes. Yep. And I think I'm. we're not talking about technique or structure. I think what I want to talk about is the idea of that should be engaging. Mm. That should be a way that we connect our people with a heartbeat of Jesus. And some people really suck at it.
1: So let me zoom out just one level. Cause I've heard it kind of, the even the the notion of a sermon in our modern age, you know, yep. seven second attention span, mm-hmm. TED talk, generate, you know, all these things. Exactly, like, I've had I've I've had multiple people come to me and want to deconstruct the very notion of a sermon. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you on that? Like, do you still think a sermon should needs to be included in a in a service, or are you even unpacking it more than that?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Okay. That's a great question. One, I don't like deconstruction as a word because I think it can lead us to a place where there is no God. So, foren- can we just
1: deconstruct that concept for us?
0: Forensic faith <laughs> order okay. is what I want to say. Okay. So starting at a point of Jesus, mm. what are the minimum amount of layers we can put on top?
1: Okay. And is as preaching there?
0: I, I think communication of the good news of Jesus is there. Yep. I don't know what form that is. So I have played with um, three-minute messages. Mm. I've played with, since doing breakfast radio, I've got, so I I have given in the past 60-minute messages. Wow. And I, these days, would give a 15-minute message. And I would also give a message that is much shorter if I felt like worship and our we do a communion message every week. If all of those felt pretty full, yep. I would say amen and we'd go and have coffee. Mm. Because because of what you're talking about, the loss of attention span, I think that there is absolutely a place for dynamic and excellent communication. Mm. And I think if you are doing that well, then that question of do we even need a sermon on Sunday mm. probably doesn't exist if the sermon that you get on Sunday is awesome.
1: Yeah, and in a way, if you if you analyze it culturally, the TED Talk is a secular sermon, of course. Of sort. course it is. So clearly there's still Mate, appetite. Comedians
0: for... are the sure. secular prophets of today. Yeah, yeah. People go and listen to stand up, and as part of the stand-up window, you get ten minutes yeah. on whatever the bugbear is of the comedian. And it's and
1: it's a didactic thing where one person is speaking to a crowd. It's not interactive in that in that, you know, yep. horizontal. It's a very vertical delivery of communication. And yet culturally we still have an appetite for that in our um, attention span riddled
0: generation that we live in. I guarantee you that person who asked you that question is <laughs> bored on a Sunday in sure. the sermon. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Is it bored?
1: So, so okay. Um, what, what does an engaging model of communication look for in sermon form?
0: I, I love the analogy of – Tim Keller to say, whatever you preach on should land one step from the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, I think I would start with a baseline of saying, whatever you're talking about and wherever you're going should land one step from the feet of Jesus. And why is that? Um, Because... The emphasis of what we're called to do is call people into a relationship with Jesus, Yeah, right? That's the thing that he brings about salvation. So it should be possible for you to find a a linkage Mm. to the feet of Jesus with any verse, topic, theology of scripture that leads us to a place of Jesus.
1: And I mean, technically speaking for a second, where Keller is... Getting this from, in my understanding, is Jesus as the fulfillment, the the, the perfect yep. human, the son of God, you know. So he is the, the culmination of the human experience and the story of the universe. And therefore, with, uh, I suppose, a careful methodology, um, you can meaningfully relate any chapter of the Bible or any experience of life to Jesus as a person.
0: But if you're talking structurally, then I would say that the homiletical loop, or the AHA loop, which is a Zach wine. if you've Mm -hmm. read that book, um, conversation is really helpful Mm -hmm. for creating an engaging communication pattern for a Sunday, which is to say things get progressively worse to a point where you cannot resolve it, and then there's an AHA moment. Mm -hmm. The AHA moment is the gospel, and then that leads us off in a positive direction.
1: So if we've got these models for understanding preaching – why are we still having bad sermons? Technique. What? Keep going.
0: So, so it's the difference between, and I'm going to use a TD Jake's analogy Oof. here. It's the different d- difference between a. And I'm going
1: to remove myself from the analogy. No, I'm yeah. not. I'm not, I'm not,
0: I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, go on. He uses this analogy, a expert in elephants who has studied them, has multiple PhDs, goes off to Africa to view them for the first time and he's mm. sitting in the back of the van. And on the front of the van is a Kalahari desert warrior, right? Mm. Now, he has lived with the elephants his entire life. He has no formal training whatsoever, but with a – a sniff of his nose Mm. and a look around at the environment, he can tell exactly where the elephants are. And I think his analogy is basically the guy at the front has no formal qualifications, but knows everything about the elephants and how to find them. The Mm. guy at the back has all the formal qualifications, but has no idea where to find an elephant Mm -hmm. and you need both. Okay. Okay. And I think what we have done is we've gotten ourselves to To a point where we have figured out the rules by which to play the game, but we haven't looked at all the things that make that engaging. So cadence, Mm. tempo, um, the movement between silence, pause, volume, narrative structure, comedy, We don't
1: do these things. So what you're saying is there are there are essentially two skill sets to a good sermon. It is the theological understanding of the text. Content. Content and delivery. Yes. And I'm guessing what you're saying is, uh, at least in the tribes that we find ourselves in for, for many years, content is king. Yes. And delivery is well and truly a negotiable. And therefore you get... Boring sermons.
0: Yes. And I think if we went to an African American gospel style mm. church, we would see cadence.
1: So to play devil's advocate, though, shouldn't shouldn't the text be enough for you, Duncan? Isn't it the word of God? Shouldn't shouldn't that be yes. the magic enough,
0: irrespective
1: of how it's delivered?
0: And Paul was battling that with people who were bored by the messages he was giving and <laughs> saying, We want you want the super apostles. Okay.
1: So we're talking two Corinthians
0: here. Yeah. This is the struggle that Paul was facing, and I don't think it is, just because he said it in 2 Corinthians, it didn't stop being a problem.
1: So he's describing himself as not, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but not overly uh, winsome, um, but I suppose a man of God who, and to your point, could communicate.
0: A brilliant writer.
1: Okay, but Ex- perhaps not in the verbal oratory yeah. domain.
0: And I think that for a lot of people, they're that there's some people are just profoundly gifted writers Mm. and they're not great communicators verbally. Mm. And it's okay to be one or the other. The challenge that you have for a lot of pastors on a Sunday is they're forced to be a verbal communicator Mm. and it may not be their strength and forte. And if content remains King and we don't, we don't give the same kind of energy and emphasis to delivery, we will forever give boring sermons.
1: So I'm guessing the, well, I, I'm i going to more than guess. I have a fairly well-grounded hypothesis that says the reason we don't want to talk about delivery too much is we feel like the pursuit of delivery will sacrifice content. And, Why can't and, you have both? Well, and okay, I'll, to be fair for a second, scripture does have a lot of teaching on... The teacher have, having a responsibility to, to essentially have good doctrine. So, t- 1 and 2 Timothy are probably the classic yes. ones. Paul's saying to Timothy, uh, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. That's 1 Timothy 4. Mm-hmm. Then in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Yep. 2 Timothy four two, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage. How? With great patient and careful instruction. So there is definitely a responsibility there to handle the scriptures faithfully.
0: I agree, but you don't have to be boring. <laughs> Right. So, so one of the questions for a Bible college that I didn't get into was, <laughs> How much of scripture have you read? Okay. And I answered everything but the boring books. <laughs> like, I wonder why you didn't get into the... Numbers, oh Leviticus, gosh. and Matthew. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a joke because I was annoyed at the question. Okay. But my problem is, is that scripture is not boring, right? Mm. It's living, living, it's breathing. It's sharper than any double-edged sword that there is a passion and a rejuvenation and a hope that we see in scripture. And so why shouldn't we communicate it like that? Like Mm. how many times have you gotten up on Sunday, you know, and to to use your one Corinthians 1.10 as an example, the, the the guy gets up to read scripture and says, "I appeal it to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you agree with one another, that you say that there be no divisions among you." And you're like, "Oh, stop reading! Just stop. That's not that's not the tone. That's not the energy. That's not the passion." You know, And if someone got up and says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions amongst mm. you. You go, why is this guy performing it? because so, mm. it is a performance. And
1: I think what you're tapping into there is, and I've heard this question raised, you know, the difference between teaching and preaching. Mm. And preaching has a certain exhortation to it. You're you're appealing not just to the mind but to the heart. Mm-hmm. And there is, and in the context of what Paul's talking there in Corinthians and super apostles, is they were down with uh rhetoric, oratory skills. That that, that Greco Roman culture was big on delivery. And Paul is actually arguing to say that they've gone too far the other way. So they're almost opposite to where we are in that delivery was everything. Yes. And therefore content had to be remembered. Um, where We've almost got the opposite problem where delivery is shunned because we're worried about creating super apostles or, or wafer-thin sermons or whatever. And I would just say, well, where's our starting point? Our starting point, at least in the reformed evangelical, however you want to phrase that, is so content heavy and we're so worried about getting the content just right that that's probably not our concern at this point.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we still have super apostles today, right? we got celebrity pastors and you could pull out any one of a number of sermons that kind of went soft on theology for the sake of making a point. Um, and so, like, I'm a firm believer in text without context being a pretext for whatever you wanted to say, and you shouldn't do that when it comes mm. to scripture. But all what I'm saying is it doesn't hurt for you to sit down and watch a comedian, mm. put your Netflix or whatever you're watching, pull up a comedian, watch how they deliver a message. Yep. Or, you know, get yourself a book like – I think the one that I was a big fan of was Nancy Duarte's Resonate. Okay. Which was on creating creating talks that resonate with people. Yeah. The, there is a way that you can slightly improve mm. the way that you deliver a message that is probably going to help you out a whole bunch.
1: And I think – and I've said this on other episodes, but where this stuff starts to get real for me is when it affects everyday people you know, and I'll, I'll share a story. Um, friends of mine thoroughly saved, thoroughly Christian, you know, have been for some time going to a church that was fairly well known, reasonably sized, a a, a pastor and a preacher who was reasonably widely known. Yeah. Say to me, these are my friends who are sitting in the, in the seats. We don't, we we basically use the sermon time now to do our personal quiet times. Beautiful. So <laughs> that's a boring topic. yeah, and and I, and these are people who are not haters, right? Yeah. But just saying, we got to a point. Our kids are thoroughly enmeshed in the kids ministry. Sure, they're going well. But we get to the sermons and just die slowly. So we're now reading a different part of scripture to what the the preacher is preaching on, and we're basically just doing our own digestion of that while that that pastor is preaching us. And I just thought. It's not great. Oh, it's really not. And I'm not, you know, look, I'm not definitely endorsing their decision to do that, but it it shows a problem.
0: I, I have a lady who sleeps in the front row of my, my sermons on Sunday. How old is she? She's
1: older. <laughs> I feel like if you're above 80, it's not personal.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what she keeps saying to me afterwards. Okay. Um, and I, I bless her heart. I appreciate that. I had
1: someone snore in a Bible study I was leading. Mate, on, so there's was... nothing
0: more humble than a person snoring <laughs> through your message.
1: Um, but, yeah, look, I, I share the story just to highlight, you know, when when people are turning up to church week upon week and just not being inspired or motivated. It's not healthy. It's it's not. And I think the thing that I think is funny is that we live in such a well-educated literate society And yet preachers feel compelled to essentially only exposit the text in a way that essentially rehashes the Bible reading that's just gone before. There's nothing deeper. There's nothing analytical about it. There's nothing personal and vulnerable about it. Yes. It's just like you've essentially read the text to me again in a longer way and stepped down off the platform.
0: My my two biggest bugbears is a completely irrelevant analogy that has no punch or meaning so so i sat through a sermon 40 minutes and one of the analogies was about a big red lawnmower and the conclusion was the individual bought a big red lawnmower okay and we spent five minutes on that analogy Mm. and i was just like it doesn't need to be in there yeah um I think that there's a lot of moments like that. That's a big bugbear for me. If it if it doesn't have a point, don't put it in there. Mm. Cut it out. Yeah. The other thing is is that um, my second bugbear is the analogy that comes from like 1986. <laughs> so I remember in 1982 when I was sharing Jesus with someone, I'm like, <laughs> if your example isn't modern, don't yep. use it.
1: Do you know? I I heard a sermon from Chris Vellotton once say, and he's talking about taking risks. He said, I didn't want My biggest stories of faith to only be past tense.
0: Can't be. And
1: I really respected him for saying
0: that. I want to say, if you you are going to get up on a Sunday, I'm going to say this, and I mean it. Mm. You're going to get up on Sunday and preach on evangelism, and your story isn't from last week. Mm. Don't preach that sermon on evangelism. Mm you have to have relevant examples from a modern context that have just happened in recent history that you can share for you to have permission to talk on whatever the topic is that you are talking on. Mm. Related to, like, and I'm, I mean specifically related to, I'm calling my people to give. I'm calling my people to share the love of Jesus. I'm calling my people to be compassionate like Jesus is, compassionate. If you go, I want to tell you a story about when I was compassionate. It was nineteen ninety six. It's like stop. <laughs> it's done. Yep. Lay that analogy to rest. Mm. It is now officially a dead horse that you are flogging. <laughs> yep. Don't do it.
1: Okay. To be to be kind to preachers in general, and I want to challenge you on something. Okay. You're like you're a naturally good communicator. You've got this, you know, voice of an angel. You're a charismatic dude. You, you know, I'm, I'm keep buttering you up, and you're no, head that's fine. Closed. I appreciate like, that. Not every preacher can be have the voice of Duncan Robinson or the, the intellect of Tim Keller or the, the charisma of, you know, who like,
0: but I didn't start there.
1: Yeah. It's okay. A, a
0: communication is an obsession for me sure. in the sense of, I want to know how to do it better. I want to think of new and different ways of doing it. And so I watch and I read broadly, um, my preaching got a lot better after breakfast radio, mm. and the reason was on breakfast radio. When you finished a show, you would sit down with the um, head of content afterwards, and he would pick apart your show yeah. for an hour. Yeah.
1: My version of that is: I will. I, I really have trouble watching my sermons. I will always at least listen to my sermons, whether yeah. I like it or not. You know, I'll give you an example. I I think I was about five or six sermons in, and I, I'm listening to it. And every second word was um. Um, And I had no idea that I was doing it. So, what I did was in the following probably 10 sermons, I wrote DSU in capital letters at the top of every single page. Don't say um. Don't say um. You know, and it's a reflective moment, it's humbling.
0: So, I would write um down the margin. (laughs) And I, because I I always have a word, literally is the one that I use. So, I would write literally. Yes. And it would stop you from doing it. You would read it, breathe and use that as a pause. So your point
1: is that you may not be a natural, but... You still have – I'm hearing the word responsibility, actually. You have a responsibility to keep learning and
0: growing in your delivery sure. for the
1: sake of the person who's giving you the time to to get up there and do it.
0: And communication is like writing. Sometimes it takes a while for you to find your voice. Yeah. You know, like it, there's so many times that you listen to an early communicator and he is trying to be Francis Chan yes. or he's trying to be – was it David Platt? Yeah. Right? Like he's trying to be – the guy who he's aspire who he was inspired or yeah. she was inspired by. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't we don't need another Beth Moore. Yeah. We've got plenty. Yeah. So you be you yeah. and do you incredible.
1: Yeah. I I really wrestled with that when I started preaching. So my mentor said about me when I started, he said, You're you're really good, you've got it, you're very soothing. And I was like, soothing? (laughs) Soothing. I don't want to be soothing. I want to be like pulpit bashing, you know. (laughs) It's not you. It's not not me. And I realized actually in this modern emotionally driven society that we now find ourselves in, actually, I think God's put me in the right culture at the right time to be able to speak sensitively and with high EQ. Okay, maybe I'm not bashing the pulpit, but... But I can bring something. And I, and I look at even Tim Keller and I observe him. And if I just kind of pause on Tim Keller and forget that I know who he is, he's really nerdy in his delivery. He's mm-hmm. not overly baritone. He's quite nasally. Yep. He's quite technical, but he does it so well because that's how God has made him to be, that he's not trying to be anybody else. And And I had to essentially preach that to myself to be comfortable in my own skin, to go, I don't need to be A, B, C. I need to, yes, refine the the skills and the gifts God has given me. But if I try and emulate someone else, I'm 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 going to look fraudulent.
0: Totally, I I think too. For me, I, I look at you and go, I wish I could be as soothing as you are naturally. I'm not. Mm. I, I'm disjointed. You can even hear it when you talk to me. I don't necessarily carry a normal rhythm. You know, like it's 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 a syncope.
1: And that's purposeful He's in like Nine, six time signature
0: As he's talking Totally And it's a pattern interrupter I'm a permanent pattern interrupter It's your spiritual gift Yeah And it's exhausting And so for me to do soothing The way that I have to do soothing On Sunday Is I have a table And I have a chair Mm. I come up And I sit on a stool And I have the table in front of me And everyone in the room knows Duncan is either about to give A soothing sermon A sad sermon Or Mm. a serious sermon Mm. And I have to change my entire structure environment so I can deliver that. And it kind of puts me in a zone where I can communicate like you. And the flip side is probably true, right? For you to get animated and passionate and bang the pulpit is you have to create the environment where you have permission to do that because it's not your typical pocket for communication. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But I have a responsibility to, and to use this podcast as an example, we're on like episode nine now, I've listened to the first eight, and I've listened to them and gone, oh, I need to bring it up about 15 or 20%. Totally. You know, it's it's not nice to, uh, part of me wishes, oh, let's go back and record the first eight, but I'm like, no, I'm learning, I'll keep going, yeah. but I'm not going to assume I've got it all together.
0: Yeah. And that's healthy. And I think as we continue to unpack this podcast, it would be a shame for us to say what we've got is perfect and we're not ever going to deviate from that. I think it grows, it shapes, it shifts. Your voice um, matures Mm. as you continue to read and learn stuff. You start to find a really sweet pocket uh, pocket where you can communicate, but you don't ever stay in that. Because even as brain development, if you look at brain development, the way that you communicate later in life. Mm. I mean, this is the joy, I think, of being a communicator. You could be a communicator from 16 to 90. Yep. And the beauty of that is it changes as you progress through that. Yeah. And you can sit down under these wise, learned individuals and the way they communicate now later in life is completely different to how they communicated as a teenager. And it's because they've got an awareness that it has to shift because their brain doesn't function the same way. Yep. And that's not a problem. You just you just have more concrete historic knowledge and mm. you become like a, a wise historian. Mm. And that's really important. Yeah. Someone else can be the guy in the tight jeans with a, you know, V neck shirt. With yeah when when the 90-year-old's
1: trying to wear tight jeans uh, it's not a good look don't yeah. do it yeah no that's true hey i want to ask you something that a, a a trusted friend of mine said to me once in frustration about churches generally and the way he said it was the gift of leadership and the gift of preaching are two different things and yes. and his his uh, inference was we assume that the pastor or even the senior pastor Ought to be the primary preacher? Sure. What, what do you think
0: about that? That is a completely false paradigm we have set up. Why? The the primary communicator of the church should be a person who is gifted amongst your elders, men and women. Whoever okay. They so there's might still be.
1: there's still like a subcrit. Like you wouldn't an eighteen year old who's just an amazing communicator shouldn't automatically be your primary preacher. Is no? They they
0: should get permission to try, sure, and grow. And develop that skill. Yep. So you might you might bring on the eighteen year old two or three times in the year to mm. help them get their chops up. Part of the challenge is so th- th- to unpack this. I think Sunday is Super Bowl day. Mm. For all the schmeck that you might have to navigate as a pastor during the week, you get a certain amount of time on Sunday to get up and deliver a message. And for a lot of pastors, that's a really cool moment Mm. of the week that you look forward to. Mm. Right. But it is the tip of the iceberg of pastoral ministry. Mm. Some people find that very hard to let go of because it is your primary form of communication to a large group of people that are members of your congregation. And so you can shape culture, you can shape vision, you can shape theology, you can shape discipleship all through that. Yep. To let that go to someone who is not the boss Mm. requires humility. And just because you're not the most gifted communicator on a Sunday in a sermon doesn't mean that you are offloading all your power and authority as a senior pastor. You still have plenty of permission to shape vision, direction, all throughout the week without being the primary communicator on a Sunday. And I think for a lot of pastors, they felt they can't give that up. You can, Mm. there's someone in there who loves it, who relishes it, who is teachable and humble enough to sit with you and work through all the plans of preaching that you want to do and sit in the pocket, the same pocket that you want it to be in. I saw this in the States multiple times. Mm. Um, I don't have that. I love to preach. I need the opposite. I need the systems guy to help come along and give shape and form to all of it. Um,
1: So just to be clear on something you just touched on, you saw senior pastors willingly and joyfully give up the pulpit more in the States than you do in Australia. All the time. Okay. It was
0: not even unusual. And
1: the interesting thing about that is if you look at those two cultures and the stereotypes of them, I would have assumed the American culture, which is stereotypically more celebratory, platformy kind of... I would have assumed the egalitarian Australian would more willingly give up their platform than, oh, than it, the American. It's completely
0: reversed. It's really interesting. So, so to give you a frame of reference, the church that I, I saw at the best if I can call it the best, my personal opinion, was Sun Valley Community Church. They had a senior pastor named Scott Rideout at the time who was an excellent communicator, mm-hmm. but he was actually better as a teacher behind the scenes in okay. rooms. right? Leader of leaders, just yep. an amazing guy. But they had a guy, Pastor Chad, who was unbelievable. I mean,
1: the moment your name is Chad, you no, know you're going to be a good so preacher. so good.
0: He's got something called the cigar preacher right now, <laughs> and it's just him smoking cigars with friends. But he... He was unbelievable, mm. and Scott recognised this. So Chad's
1: on staff.
0: On staff, he's now the senior pastor mm-hmm. there, um, and Scott has moved into kind of the president of the network mm. movement. But it was always he always sat in his strengths. Mm. So he he would he would probably preach twenty five percent of the time, Chad would preach like sixty percent of the mm. time, and then they would divvy up the rest amongst the crew. Um, so you, you know, one time in four, you'd probably get Scott Yep. and he was amazing. Yep. But I mean, it was like Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen, right. You know, for a basketball reference is that, um, Scott ride out with Scotty Pippen. Yeah.
1: Great player. Mate.
0: Um, top but 50 it of just, all time. It just
1: so happens that there's yeah. someone even better than him on the roster. There's
0: Mike on there and yeah. you're like, oh goodness. It makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And there was never an ego or issue. Yeah. Well,
1: I, and that's what I love about hearing that story. That That is, um, I'm going to go as far to say that that's a biblical decision that they've made. Many parts, one body, the hand should not say to the foot, I don't need you. Yeah. And it's all for the building up of the church. It's all uh, for the sake of, of love being the greatest gift. And therefore, I can be humble and let go of this platform, even though I'm sure Scott found it hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, totally. I th- I think it gets easier the longer you do it, though, yeah. right? Like because you, you, part of that is developing trust with the individual, uh, having humility to come together as a team, and in a in a team setting, agree on what the direction of the teaching is going to be. Yeah, right. And that's just healthy community. Yeah, is let's have a dialogue about this and make it excellent.
1: Let me ask you a left field question. Um, we live in a media-saturated world now. Yeah. Let's let's paint a picture of a, a relatively small church. They don't have the luxury of a Scott and a Chad. It's a small church, single pastor, laboring every week to get the sermon done. Um, is there a place for essentially streaming in a really good preacher from from overseas and just watching a sermon on YouTube... Like, should we just consolidate now with our digital age and go, let's just leave it to the big guns? Um, Or is there something that the local pastor can do that that the video sermon cannot do?
0: Yeah. So this is an education thing that I think Ken Robinson talks about is the idea. Uncle Ken. Do you, know, do you know Ken? No, 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 no he's no. just got the same he's last the name same, as you. <laughs> he's great. Uh, so he has a suggestion that what schools should do, schools should be the prac room. And what mm-hmm. kids should do is they should go home and on YouTube watch world leaders in whatever the field of what they have to learn about, mm. watch those lectures, yeah, and then you unpack that at school. Mm. So homework is done at school mm. and schoolwork is now done at home. Wow. Because you've got access to that globally, right? You could, you could go and watch Mr. Wood... WooTube from the comfort of your own home. And you could do that anyway at home. And yep. so when you get to school, unpack what Woo, Eddie Woo, was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could do that for a church, right? Like if you were given a lecture and you were like, R.C. Sproul says this best, mm. I'll just pull him up and play it. And it would be a great lecture. So then what's the responsibility of the pastor is maybe the responsibility of the pastor is to unpack that. Yep. So Sunday we hear that lecture and then, or that sermon. And then on Monday together as a community, let's unpack that throughout the week. Mm. And so suddenly what you become is like the, the prac room teacher as opposed to the lecturer. Yep. I think there's health in that. And I I think if you're exhausted and burned out, you're probably not in a great place for you to be a communicator. And so maybe you can pipe in some video series and there's plenty of good ones out there. Mm.
1: And look, to be honest, I've never been in a soul pastoral role and I think I would sink. Honestly, for me, preaching is such a joy and the preparation of a sermon is such a creative pursuit for me that if I had to do it, keyword, had to do it week upon week upon week, I think it would... It would kill me slowly.
0: I, I took a month off and we bought in. Um, I try and do it every year in November, just take a month off, don't preach, have guest speakers come in. Um, really great for the church. Mm. Completely different energy. Yeah. I, we've got a preaching team, I think, of three or four, and yeah. I'm only a small church. Now, the other three or four don't get to preach all the time. Mm. Um, but it's nice to know in the wings I can call someone up. Do they preach as well as me? maybe not like it, maybe it's not the way that I would have said that, but I think that's part of the growing process as a community is sure. to be able to just release it to a person. Yep. You do it the way that you want to do it. And it may not match up with what I want, mm-hmm. but before God we've prayed about this and we feel like it's the right direction. So yep. let's go for it. Yeah, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think it also requires you to have the humility to say, it's not going to be the way I want it. Yeah. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I suppose as we wrap up, what, what do we want a good sermon? I've heard we want uh, good good biblical doctrine. Yes, it matters to have good doctrine to Timothy. We don't want to get around that. But we also want good delivery. And good delivery is reflective. It is um, in pursuit of improvement. And that will look like listening to yourself and also learning from others. Um, I think really the, the, that conversation is geared around the preacher, has agency to improve yep what do you what do you do if you're listening to this and you're the the member of the church and you don't have agency in that situation and you're sitting with sermons that are not engaging you week upon week
0: well i feel like first of all you can ask the question what's what's the what's the assessment do do you have an individual within your church who sits down with a pastor afterwards, mm. not necessarily directly on a Sunday, but talks through areas for improvement. Yeah. Right. Because if your pastor doesn't have any accountability for how they're going to get better, yeah. then how are they going to get better as a communicator? We just runs on the board. Yeah. Is that what we're going for? And so that's where I think there needs to be some kind of form and shape to that. Um, and th- I find that I improve when I get guest speakers in. Mm. So I, you know, I had Sam Chan come in who's written books on communication Mm. and he's awesome, Mm. but he does stuff that I would not do, but it then makes you reformulate how you would communicate. And so that's where I think that iron sharpeners, iron conversation comes in. And if, if you go up to your senior pastor and you say, hey, man, does anyone ever give you feedback on your message? And yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying this like I'm gonna give you some feedback yeah, now, yeah. but I just want to know what's the framework whereby you debrief on yeah. this. And if he says no, or I never listen to my messages ever again, mm-hmm. then I think there's some unhealthiness that needs to be addressed. Yeah.
1: And it's it's it feels awkward to even, you know, that example you've just given, I can feel the tension in oh. that scenario. However, I think it's it's worth it for the sake of, and again, to use the Pauline language in Corinthians, for the sake of love. If you've put it another way, if you've got a hundred people walking to a room every week disengaged, yeah, it's probably worth being the one that steps out and has the awkward conversation to at least get the ball rolling on something that might be a little bit more engaging for people.
0: I, a few weeks back, uh, and I say this because it's in recent history, <laughs> Uh, I had one of... Uh,
1: you said one week. You've got a one-week yeah, window. Yeah, no, I
0: know. But it, I can't think of one from last <laughs> week. I'm sure there was. Um, but a few weeks ago, Pastor pulled me... Uh, one of the elders on our team pulled me aside and said, um, Dunk, just want to talk. You brushed up very close some, to some pretty terrible theology. Wow. Wow. Can we talk through it? And I, this was on Sunday directly after the message, okay?
1: When you are, if you've never preached a sermon, it's a very vulnerable time, I find. You've just poured yourself out. Yep. It's a really difficult time to receive feedback, and yet it's the time that feedback is given.
0: It's Yes, and love this guy, full permission to talk about it. Go for it. What did you say? Dunk, when you said that Joseph was fathering a Jesus- for Mary what did you mean by that mm. and i said he had the humility to say even though i have not created this baby yes. this is an immaculate it's not biologically cons- mine yeah i am willing to be the father figure for okay. it and he's like that's what i thought you meant that's yep. not what you said what you said was joseph fathering mm. jesus and i was like oh my goodness no which was funny because I immediately got six or seven other people in church asked me the exact same question, yeah, right. right? And I was like, the way you use language is really important, right? Yeah. And he did that for another point where I was like, oh, I meant this because what he, he, he said they were uh, betrothed, but you said they were married. What did you mean? I'm yeah. like, well, he is functioning – like the father for Jesus, because he knows he has not consummated them. So this is like particulars, right? Mm. But these particulars were really significant Mm. and had profound impact. And it it all came down to the language I chose to use, Mm. which was to his point and a good point, you were too laid back Mm. and you needed to be really clear.
1: And I just want to, and I hadn't heard that story before well done for receiving it and, and giving people in your community a license to say that stuff.
0: Oh, they don't have a license to say it all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a blank check, but it's there's not a check. a blank check.
0: No, I I think I I welcome healthy dialogue. Mm. Hey, when you said this, did you really mean that? Yeah. Because like, I, I, I had the question, was Mary 17? Well, she was a bit older. I was mm. like, no, she was more than likely younger. Mm. Mary is more than likely 14. Mm. You just don't like that because that's way too young. Yeah. Based on today's culture, but yeah. we're not talking today's culture. Mm. And so that's where I really welcome some dialogue yeah. is what where do, where do you get that? What do you mean by that? That that's awesome. Mm. Um, and I think the healthiness of saying you could have been more clear in mm. the choice of language as opposed to being more laid back is an excellent critic, yeah. Critical analysis of what I said. So good. Awesome. Are we done?
1: Is that is that our three-point podcast done? Yeah. <laughs> point so A we, was this. Point B was this. Point C was this. And we will not apply it whatsoever to your everyday life.
0: Oh, you have to apply it. No. You absolutely no, have to
1: apply it. No. Never. Oh,
0: never. All right. We'll see you again next week.
1: Bye.